Welcome to One Word with me, Thomas Leamy, a podcast where I'm joined by experts to discuss one word, topic, or concept from an entirely fresh perspective. As an organizational wellness consultant and psychology coach, I help demystify the psychology behind high performance, peace of mind, and well-being. Thank you for joining me. Now let's explore with today's featured guest. Today my guest is Robin Charbot, and Robin began his career as a chemical engineer with Exxon in 1981 and worked his way up to lead one of Exxon International's businesses. In 1992, he joined Arthur D. Little, first in Europe and ultimately in Boston, where he led and managed the North America Chemicals practice with more than half a billion dollars in revenue. Robin was born in the UK to French parents and met his Belgian wife in Switzerland. They now live in Boston with their three soccer-crazed children. Robin is passionate about bringing an understanding of how the mind works into business and has been doing so very successfully for decades. He's also the author of the incredible book, Invisible Power, co-author, I should say, with Dr. Ken Manning and Sandra Trott as well. Robin, you're very welcome to the One Word Podcast. Lovely to be here, Thomas. Looking forward to this. Our word today is productivity. And let me tell you, after completing Robin's course recently, I can tell you he's somewhat of an expert in this topic. So Robin, my get the ball rolling question is simply, what is your definition of productivity? Well, productivity is uh, at, at the most basic level, the ability to get something done well and quickly and simply. And for me, Thomas, it's, an, it's a never-ending facet of life. I often give the example that we, um, you know, we go to high school, at least in the US you do, and you know, you're a bit lost the first few weeks because it's the big school. And, and then by the end of your four years of high school, you know, you're a god, no one can tell you anything, you rule the planet. And you know, you, you know, you, there's, as they say in English, there's no flies on me, you know, you're just invincible. And then you go to university and it's a bit of a shock because no one reminds you about your assignments, no one makes sure you turn up for lectures, you've got to take care of all of that yourself. And for many people, the first year of university is hard. But then at some point, you see how to be okay and get it all done. And you're operating at a completely different level of productivity. In fact, by the end of your four years, you know, you're again back into that demigod state of you know, getting it all done, not breaking a sweat. And then you get a job in the business world or in, in the real world. And you have to turn up on time. You have to dress properly. You have to change your language. I mean, it's it's not like university, and it's, again, a bit destabilizing for a while. But after a while, you figure out how to get it done, and soon you know, work is fine. Well, for me, productivity is the ongoing process of that happening. It's the ongoing ability to keep reinventing how you do things so you can do more in less time and better. You know, Robin, I'm thinking there's a lot of information out there about different tools and techniques to be more productive, to get more stuff done. What is your relationship with 
productivity techniques? Well, I've um, been very lucky, Thomas. I, I work for a, a bunch of really v- very well-run companies who believed in training people. So I did a number of programs on productivity where they would teach you different systems. And then I read a, a bunch of them, you know, Dave Allen's uh, GTA, you know, GTD, getting things done. Um, I went on some, what you might call a, a how to use the mind in a different way, productivity courses. And there's a lot of really good stuff out there. However, what I found is that it's your intelligence use of those things, which is actually what makes a difference. So what I've come to see is that, yes, it's good to learn things. But if you, if you go into most people's offices, Thomas, and you look at the shelf in, in their, on their bookcase, which has all of the productivity and training manuals on it, and you run your finger across the top of those manuals, guess what will come off on your finger? Dust. <laughs> Dust. And so there's like one yard, one meter's worth of stuff. And then you ask people, well, how come you don't? Oh, yeah, that was a good course. Well, do you use much of it? Oh, no, not really. Or, yeah, I got one thing from the course. So a two-day, three-day, five-day, seven-week course, and people have one thing. Now, the one thing that they got was something that they realized beyond the level of their intellect. So the way the human mind works, Thomas, is you can know lots of things, but it doesn't do anything for you. I mean, how many people don't know about smoking, don't know about exercise, don't know about diet? It's not a lack of information. It's the ability to apply. And if you look at applying, you can try willpower, but anybody who's been on a diet using willpower or tried to do an exercise program using willpower, willpower is not where the action is. The actions in the moment of realization where you see something so true that it reorganizes the way your mind is wired and it becomes an obvious thing to do that you don't have to think about. So productivity the ideas, the good ideas about productivity that fall into that category or that are blessed by that level of understanding are the ones that really make a difference for you. So the way it's come to to appear to me is that there are things to learn, but you want to learn them at the level of an insight. And then the ones that really make sense for you will go deep and stick. And then in the moment when you need some help, the ones that are really useful will come to mind and be used. So yes, there's a, it's good to learn these things, but if you look at what actually causes a difference for people, it's mostly what they've realized themselves rather than what they were necessarily taught. I could give you examples if you want. To me, the ultimate productivity tool, if, you, if I can use the word, is to understand how your mind works. And then understand it deeply enough that you can operate in a more balanced mind more of the time. Because a more balanced mind knows how to either invent or draw on what it needs in the moment better than anything you could learn in a book. And Robin, in your book, I know you talk about it, that the human mind has a built-in design for success. I love that. But what you just mentioned there, in a balanced state of mind, you're more productive. I'm paraphrasing, but how do we hang out in a balanced state of mind more of the time? Well, there's three things. The more you understand how your mind works, the more you will get out of the way. Because the mind is brilliantly designed, Thomas. We don't have to do anything. We were born with it. 
not a thing you acquire, it's not something you work towards, you're born with it. If you look at small children, they learn 50% of everything they learn in life by end of age five, which is, you know, at some level, a bit of a depressing thought. But the main point is, how come children learn so much when they, haven't, they don't have much formal education before age five? So the first thing is you've got to know that it's built in. You've got to know the, how your mind works. Or otherwise, you won't orient yourself towards it. Now, the second thing is your mind is connected to the physical body. They're not separate. And if you don't treat your physical body very well, it's going to affect how your mind functions. And most people do not treat their mind uh, the way they would treat their muscles. You know, who would get up at 7 o'clock and by 7.30 would be doing 10 one-hour exercises without a break? I mean, it would be foolish. You'd be cramping by lunchtime. You know, no one would do that, but that's what we do with our minds. So the second thing is how you treat your mind has a consequence. You look in medical research. If you don't sleep for 48 hours, you know what happens to most people? They hallucinate. I've even met people who were, you know, pulled two all-nighters and then they stopped being able to speak. You'd ask them the name of a friend and they'd get the name in their head. Their mouth would open out, would come a refrigerator. And they'd be like, no, no, I was thinking, Bill, how? And then they'd try and say Bill again, and what would come out would be refrigerated. So if you, if you don't treat the mind well, it gets completely scrambled. It's just physiology. So knowing about your mind and knowing how, it's, how it works is one thing, but treating your mind well is uh, the, the second thing. And then the third thing is remembering all of this in the moment. Because the difficulty or the challenge with the human mind is that it creates such a real experience that it doesn't look like it's got anything to do with it. I think it was Thomas Bohm who said, you know, the mind creates reality or creates your thinking and then very quickly says it didn't do it. I've, I've misquoted him, but I live in, a, in sort of three modes now. I live in a mode where I'm completely oblivious to what my mind is doing, despite the fact I've, te I've been teaching this to people for 20 years. You know, I can be happy, sad, somewhere in between. You'd ask me, why I'm the way I am, and I'd point to the outside world as the cause. Then there's a second mode I live in where I know that my mind is primary. I know that I'm living through a, an I'm living in an experience created by my mind. But that knowledge doesn't seem to be helping me because I'm bothered, I'm upset, but at least I know what's going on. And then the third mode I live in is I'm completely awake to how the mind functions in the moment, and I'm completely balanced, free. I'm in the state of mind you talked about. I'm completely at my best with no effort. Now, my percentages are not zero, zero, 100%. They're, you know, I, it used to be a lot higher. It used to be 70, 20, 10. Now I'm pretty much more 20, 50, 30. So to me, the third thing is you've got to keep remembering. And the more I remember, the more my percentages go up. And the more my percentages go up, the more I'm living either in an awareness of what's going on and doing an okay job or living in the awareness and letting the system run everything and getting out the way and having superb productivity. So the third thing is you need awareness in the moment. So it's good to get educated. It's good to treat your body well. But in the moment, you need the awareness. If I look at that second mode, which I described as, you know, I understand what's going on, but it ain't working out. Well, if I look carefully, I'm actually doing a better job than I would have done otherwise. Everybody's had this, you know, you're in an argument, you're upset, 
and you get a thought about saying something and you say to yourself, nah, don't go there. Nah, it's not worth it. Well, it's a bit of wisdom. You're aware that your thinking is where the action is and you decide not to go with that thinking because you know it wouldn't help. So even in that second state where it's not optimum, I'm a hell of a lot wiser than in my in that first state where I'm clueless. So for me, that's the third thing, building awareness. And that takes a bit of orientation. You've got to sort of keep looking in that direction. And the more you look, the more that awareness builds. But basically, understand how your mind works deeply, look after your body, and develop awareness. If you do those, it's more likely to, to work out. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I love the way you explain it so clear, like an engineer, you know, <laughs> the, the how the components work and all that. What I'm thinking, though, suppose you find yourself in a low state of mind yeah. where you're not aware that you're living in the feeling of your thinking moment to yeah. moment. Everything seems uphill in that state, Robin, because deadlines aren't moving. How do we perform at our best regardless? Well, uh, I'd say that it's a challenge because it's a bit like you're driving the car with a parking brake on and you're late for a meeting. You know, if you don't know the parking brake, brake is on, revving, revving the bejesus, as they say in your motherland, out of the engine ain't helping anybody. Um, definitely not the engine. So, yeah, I think we have moments of terrible productivity. Now, what happens to me is I've become acutely oriented to paying attention to how I feel and not in a good, bad way. Just I say, oh, if this is what I feel, guess what must be going on in my mind? Because one of the liabilities of this understanding, Thomas, is that people focus on their mental state. Am I in a good state of mind? Am I in a bad state of mind? The state of mind you're in is irrelevant. It's knowing where you are, which is the issue. So for me, by paying attention to my feeling, I don't spend much time in the state you described. So I, you know, I'll be out to lunch and out to lunch you know, in terms of what I'm doing and what I understand is going on. The feeling will alert me to the fact that it's an inside job. And then I will go from being out to lunch, out to lunch, to out to lunch, but aware that I'm out to lunch. Now, if you're aware that you're out to lunch, you've got a lot of options. Now, what I've noticed is two things. If I realize I'm really out to lunch and I realize it, I stop doing everything and allow the system to come back into balance. Because what I've noticed is anything that I act on from a place of out of balance is not going to work out. When I'm out of balance psychologically, uh, to not put too fine a word on it, I'm stupid. I don't have access to my intelligence. I'm clueless. I'm, I'm the person with the glasses on my head asking anybody, have you seen my glasses? So the first thing I do is I let myself recover. Now, what happens is when the feeling gets more settled, it tells me that there's a bit more intelligence available to me. I then ask myself, what should I do? I don't act. I just check in. What should I do? And sometimes the answer is you need to chill out a hell of a lot more before you do anything. Or sometimes it's, oh, you know what? You just need to send the guy an email and say, sorry, you know, the debt, you can't meet the deadline. You apologize. What can you do to help out? But if I don't get back to that place of intelligence, anything I might decide to do is going to be ineffective. It's a bit like when people have had too much to drink and you ask them, you know, are they okay to drive? They're not bad people. They just don't have any ability to be intelligent about it. Well, so for me, it's become a habit that unless I'm in some 
at least modestly intelligent mode, I don't do anything. I keep my arms in, keep my mouth shut, and I tell people I'm not up to it, and I wait for my system to get back into balance. Because that's the, the design, Thomas. We, if we're not messing it up, the system returns to balance. You read my mind. It's like I've seen you talk before about the keel on a sailboat and how it's natural. It's naturally able to recalibrate back to its own center, and we're the same. And it's just a matter of letting ourselves do it, and we get better and better at it. You know. Yeah. If you're hanging on to the sail of the boat, mm -hmm. and while well, when the boat's tipped over, it doesn't matter that there's a keel. <laughs> if you realize you let go, and depending how much water is in, is in the sail and how much water is in the boat, it will eventually right itself. I don't yeah. do any more sailing until the boat is upright. You know, before we came on here, I just did a little LinkedIn search on uh productivity, just to see kind of what literature is out there. And there seems to be quite a link between motivation and productivity. I think one article was they're like peas and carrots. So I would be interested to hear your take on how important motivation is in terms of productivity. One of the things I've come to realize, and I then studied it and found out there's good science behind this, is that willpower is finite. And it's not finite for your life, it's finite for your sleep cycle. So if you get up and you use a lot of willpower in the morning, come lunchtime, the tank's empty. So willpower is not a good, reliable approach. And willpower is one of the ways people try and be motivated. But there's another way that you can be motivated which is you can have an insight about something. And if you have an insight it, and it's deep enough, it will change how you view things. So I've met people who you know, quit smoking overnight because of a new thought. Now, you know, before that, they were doing the motivation thing, the patch, you know, trying to hang out for as long as they could. And it was eventually they'd smoke again. Well, when they had this deep insight, they stopped overnight and they haven't smoked again. So motivation is sort of, the cover, what you've got to look at is what's under the cover. And it can be either forcing, pushing, trying hard, which we can do a certain amount of. And some people seem to get a lot done that way. But there's something much, much more beautiful, wise, and effective, which is insight. So whenever I need to get something done and I realize that motivation is required, I look for an insight. And I'll give you a very simple example. I have a great doctor she believes that, you know, the best way to be healthy is to help the body be healthy rather than be palliative. So she wanted me to improve my lipid profile. So she said, you know, one of the best ways is to exercise more. So she says, I want you to exercise an hour a day. Now she tells me this and I'm looking at her saying, lady, I don't have an hour a day lying around to, to exercise. I mean, and, but I, I, I see that, you know, the logic, I see the science. And so I get curious. So and I know that I could force myself, but that's like a New Year's resolution. You know, it has about a four-day shelf life. So I start looking for an insight. And one night I'm sitting in front of television and we're watching something and it's nice, but you know, it doesn't require much brain power. And it occurred to me, I could be exercising while I'm watching this. So seems like an interesting idea. So I buy a secondhand bike. No, actually, I go first to a gym and I realize I don't like upright bikes, but recumbent bikes are really nice. 
And so I buy a, a secondhand recumbent bike for you know 100 bucks or something secondhand. And I, I run the experiment. And sure enough, I'm sitting there. I do my hour. I don't even notice I'm doing my hour. And I see the program and I enjoy the program because it's not like rocket science and I'm having to pay attention to. And I'm getting the exercise done. So the hour was always there. I didn't have to add another hour. I just had an insight about it. So my go-to motivation, if you want, is to look for an insight. And if there is no insight, I don't push. I don't push. I just keep looking for the insight. Yeah, that's certainly been my experience as well, Robin. When I feel the mental tension, like I must find a way, I must find a way. That's like the engine light. Let go of trying to find a way. And sooner or later, something will occur, you know. Robin, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'd like you to share where people can find you and reach out to you and have a wonderful chat with you like I just have. Uh, well, we, um, we're not on Facebook uh, anymore. We stopped doing that. So you can contact me on LinkedIn. The other thing is we have two websites. We have a website for our corporate work. Most of our work, 95% of our work is with large organizations. And that's you know, www.insightprinciples. And principles is the P-L-E-S version of principles.com. And then we have um, started to share this understanding to anybody who's interested, you know, giving, giving the software away if you want. And we do that through a website called insightprinciplesinstitute.com. And there we list the public programs. We don't do many. We do a couple a year. And, and both of those websites have, you know, contact um, pages where you can contact us and we'll get an email from you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, likewise, Thomas. Always good to connect. Thank you so much for joining me on the One Word Podcast. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As an organizational wellness consultant, I work with individuals and teams to help them achieve more with less on their mind. You can get in touch now at hbse.eu. Also, did you know that a mind in a stressful state is like a flat tire, unable to perform at its best? If you'd like to transform your relationship with America's number one productivity killer, stress, you're very welcome to register your interest in my new video-based online course, A Fond Farewell to Stress. Visit hpse.eu forward slash stress. That's all, folks. See you next time.